Good. Cool. Yeah, if you project, it's better. I made notes too, but there's like five lines, whereas that looks like a. a uh, that is actually the introduction. Oh, so good. It's a, it's a, <laughs> although he could do it if I. Hi, everybody. <coughs> I'm dying. I dare to say something other than, and I'm joined as always by. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that goofy laugh. Shut up. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I am joined... I couldn't do it! See? Because you're an autopilot and you were like, and I'm joined always by my co-host Alex Adams, aka Miss Darlinghurst. How are you today, Alex? I'm fine. How are you? Should we just like do a role reversal today? Yeah, we should. Do you want to do, actually, do, you want to do the introduction? No, no, you do okay, the introduction. Okay. I'm going to leave that in. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. You've known Ben for a long time. I have. Welcome, Welcome to the show, Ben. Hi, I'm just glad to be here. This is your first podcast, as I understand it? Yes, it is. What is a podcast? <laughs> what is a podcast? Am I We're still trying to figure that out. Yeah, we are We're- a bit. Yeah. Um, so I've known you for now for just nearly 18 months, actually, I worked out. Um, and Fuck off, really? Oh, can we swear on this? Yeah, of course okay, you can. Good. Say whatever you want. <laughs> uh, and you're probably one of the people who I think has such a plethora of you know, creative pursuits. You know, you're a photographer, you're a muso, you're a copywriter, you have a job title where it says creative in, in, the, in, in the title, which is always good. Um, but I think... Doesn't fly at the airport, by the way. No, no you're, you're flying out <laughs> a profession. I always make something else up, like... Advertising. Advertising uh, man. Yeah. Don just Draper. Just creative wouldn't. just sounds like, you know, like breeder or like you know, <laughs> breeder. house cleaner. <laughs> Cre- like you're just like in- inside making arts and crafts all day. You've got your macaroni and <laughs> yeah, cheese. Yeah, out. creative sounds like a, like a job you make up for the, uh, the diary that you have to fill out when you're doing Centrelink. <laughs> but anyway. What do you write in there, Jai? What, my diary at Centrelink? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or the form you fill out just at the airport. user. Uh, you know what I've been guilty of writing? Yeah, I've written advertising. I've written consultant when I'm feeling like a real wanker. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, I've written clerk. I used to write clerk the most when I used to travel for work. Why? I don't know. It was short <laughs> and I had to write it a lot of times. But yeah. What do you write? <laughs> journalist? Yeah. Uh, I alternate. Yeah. I either write journalist mm. or events manager. Oh, yeah. Ben used to be a journalist too. Oh, there you I go. Do. You don't write blogger. Which you don't is, write blogger. Did you write blogger? Is, you know, no, and you not when I went to right? China, that's for sure. <laughs> we all, and I didn't write journalist yeah. when I went to China either. That's I just wrote events person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, everyone gets a bit old-fashioned when it comes to the old airport security yeah. check. Mm. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm a... Uh, an accountant for the for the king. The king. I'm a treasurer. <laughs> is that true? No, I'm, I'm no, sorry. I'm I've lied. Nervous. I've lied. <laughs> yeah. At least you don't write bomb maker. I don't know if that's funny. Yeah. Um, so what Ben and I were um, sitting at work, and he, I saw over his shoulder, he was editing a music video, and being during work hours. Yeah. Doing <laughs> he's, the, he's technically my boss too. So his reaction was not anymore. It's fine though. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and one of the awesome things I heard him say was actually this one just got played on Rage. Do you remember Rage, Alex? Well, God, we just had a big conversation about this. So I I was just saying to Ben, um, obviously I grew up in the country and we didn't have... You didn't have TV? No, we we had TV, but we didn't have Channel 9 or Channel 10. 
We only had <laughs> Channel 2, Channel 7. Well, Channel 2 was ABC and we had Channel 7, but we didn't have even... And when we got SBS, it was a big thing. Anyway, so for years, um, every Saturday morning, I would wake up and I would like go into the lounge room and I would put Rage on and I would basically spend hours yeah, just same, dancing same. in the lounge room. Did you dance? I danced. I danced. Okay, and I made up all like all these different songs or I'd try and learn if it was like a song that had the music video had dancing in it. I'd try and learn all the dance moves and try and learn all the series. And that would be hours. That would be like the best part of my week was Rage every Saturday morning. How old were you? Um, this was like until I was in high school, I yeah. guess. Like even early high school, year seven, year eight, year nine, I probably even did that. And then I'd get my friend, my girlfriends would do a sleepover on Friday night and then we'd dance in the morning to rage. And, and it, as soon as Ben said it, I was like, oh my God, like a little little part of me was like, I have always dreamed of, you know, obviously being a frustrated rock star myself, mm-hmm. not only being on rage, but like just having anything to do with it. And uh, when Ben was talking me through that, I was like, you've got to come on. You've got to talk. Let's just talk about music videos. Let's talk about where it's come from and kind of that crossover between music and film. So, Ben, why don't you talk us through a little bit about you, how you got to this point, and then let's talk about the, the music video itself. Or okay. multiple music videos. And also maybe about the listeners who don't know what Rage is. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we've got some yeah. younger well, listeners, go, they well, might not know. Back. Yeah, we can go back because – I didn't grow up with Rage. I grew up in uh, in Auckland, New Zealand. Kiwi, never Rage there. It's um, called Rage. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, we we had uh, a bunch of music TV stations uh, growing up, and um, my brothers and I used to sit around, and uh, it was the most fun. And and in fact, the worse the video, the better it was because we would sit around and we'd my brothers and I would hate the video and like loudly, loudly criticize it, and um, it was the best fun. And like, in fact, like uh, hating music videos was kind of a, a bit of a pastime in my family, and um, yeah, and so the we, old we, Harrisons. We, and then they turned it into a TV show called Beavis and Butthead later on. Uh. <laughs> that you might remember, where like they literally just reacted to music videos, and now YouTubers make a living yep. reacting to music videos. Have you yeah. seen those react but, music videos? No. Yeah. The craziest one I saw was a priest reacts, and they play him like slip dump videos and stuff. Yeah. It's always a bit disappointing because yeah. he kind of appreciates it. But anyway, sorry, go on. He does. Oh, yeah, I he thought it'd be like, yeah, well, Sam. yeah, I know. I wanted, satanic, I wanted the that's satanic. That's a hail mary. That's a confession. He wasn't. He was like, yeah, I can kind of see where they're coming from. You know, obviously they're really passionate <laughs> about their subjects. And, oh, he's yeah, he's yeah, being yeah. too diplomatic. I'd, I'd prefer fire and brimstone. Yeah, from a priest. exactly. But um, and then so uh, coming here, um. Being introduced to Rage, I've been living here for a long time now, like more than 18 years, and uh, found out about the institution of Rage pretty quickly because I was a musician here. And then uh, what we'd do is, um, oh yeah, so skipping ahead, um, the now that I've got a son, uh, the tradition that Alex mentioned before of waking up in the morning or staying up at night and watching Rage is something we've kind of tried to bring back. And with you know the beauty so of TV sweet. on demand, is literally like we open up the app. Put on the rage episode from that week and play it to Charlie. There's a rage who app, dances yeah. around. And, yeah, and um, you can get rage on demand, but it's like a one hour condensed version yeah. as opposed to. Really? Yeah. Because cool. didn't. Okay, so didn't rage, Jai, correct me if I'm wrong, but it would start at midnight the night before, didn't it, that happen? And then it would go all through the night and they'd have guest programmers on. So it'd be like, oh, we've got this guest yes. programmer and some band would come on and they'd and program there was it. Friday night rage, which was that. And then Saturday night rage would start on early Sunday morning, basically. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it would be like it would go all through the night because I remember being at sleepovers and being like, oh, let's try and stay up till 3 a.m. and see what's happening on Rage. Happens after Rage. Yeah. 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 And to the point where you'd get to – I remember – 
is how old I am, but I remember the channel would stop. So mm. it'd be just be like white noise and there would be no more TV. Yeah. So people, like your Charlie, your kid will never know what it's like not to have on demand content 24 seven. Right. Yeah, that's right. And I'm actually reminded that there's an old episode of the young ones where uh, Vivian is, or is it Neil? One of them is just sitting there staring at the dot <laughs> and static at the end for like hours on end. Waiting for it to come back waiting on. Waiting for it to come back yes. on. Yeah. And it, you know, maybe there's like a really nice sort of zen. Well, my you know, grandmother used to talk about her, her grandmother. So my grandmother's 92. She used to talk about her grandmother putting on the wireless in these. This is in the 19. Yeah, the wireless. The, yeah. Putting on the wireless. Putting on the wireless and then keeping on. They would actually have to say goodnight at like 9 30, 10 p.m. because oh. there'd be no more content after that. And this is in the 1930s. So, yeah. Well, been, they would do that on, yeah, you know, our TV. parents' age on the TV. Yeah. They'd say, okay, and that's the end of our program. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in. Mm. And then nothing. <laughs> we had Crazy. TV Kiwi. There was this, uh, there's a Kiwi animation and he would go to bed in the satellite dish, which is probably. Would, Later gave him cancer and was, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, while I was a kid, he was still alive and you know, he was a cartoon kid where he slept in the dish and he pulled the little blanket over himself and that meant the end of TV is time to go to bed. Yeah. The um, end of TV. Yeah. That is an odd concept to talk about in 2019. <laughs> when you run out of content. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, no, no danger of Charlie ever running out of content. Um, but the, uh, so that's kind of what rage means to me now. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> and uh, actually going back before about, you know, dreaming of having something on there, it turns out it's very easy. You just send them the video and, and they will put it on. Is it? They really? may just put it on that. at like four in the morning. I, I'm not sure when exactly this uh, this particular clip you're referring to screen, but um, yeah, it may indeed have been four in the morning. I think the other, I've done another clip for someone and I'm pretty sure that screened at four in the morning. Yeah, talk <laughs> us through the two clips you've done at the moment. Uh, okay, so I never set out to be a music video director. Like, mm-hmm. I certainly like doing videography. It's kind of my hobby. Um, as Jai said before, I, uh, you know, I'm a creative in the agency. And this, in this agency, it means writing and producing content. And um, in the birth, I'm getting really, I'm going to get really sidetracked, but I promise you I'll try and come back. <laughs> the um, podcasts are all about sidetrack. Yeah. When, when uh, social went from, when social media, which I've been working on for some time, went from being like a still with a snappy line written yep. over the top of it to video. Uh, all of us working in social creative, like community managers, had to suddenly learn video, and that was about six, seven years ago. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do video now. And uh, we hired some guy who was uh, just out of film school and um, a guy called uh, Angus Blaine, who's got his own agency now, doing very well. Uh, they're called Jack Nimble, by the way. I don't know if that's a bit of a shout. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so... I worked with him and he kind of taught me basic editing and I'm like, okay, well, cool. Well, you know, now we just, now we do video. And then from then on, it was like, okay, picked up a camera, learning video, learning. Uh, and we set up a little studio and um, at the time I was working for an agency called DDB. And we had like two free tables that were just covered in props. And like uh, at the time we we're doing like Tim Tam biscuits and um, we'd set up and uh, Eclipse Mints and Extra Gum, and we had set up these little crazy dioramas and shoot these weird content videos <laughs> and cut them together, and that was, you know, that was the learning the trigger videography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because it was, it was also very uh, trick-based, you know, because you in social media you always want something that jumps out at you, so it was always camera tricks, you know, like uh, jump cuts or wipe cuts or, or uh, you know, that thing where you turn the camera off and make something disappear and come back, and like cheesy little things like that. And then suddenly you're like, okay, well... I'm a videographer now. Mm-hmm. And then now years later, after having done it quite a bit, um, you know, things get a lot more sophisticated. Yeah. And uh, 
then when someone, say a friend, which is in my example, says, oh, okay, can you do a music video for us? I hear you do a video, which is really is about uh, all it came down to. They, you say, yeah. And so um, I did a music video a while ago for a, a band called Divine Electric, and I thought I'm literally going to make it like a music video full of tricks. Yep. Like uh, <laughs> drones coming down from space, uh, 360 cameras where like you're walking on a tiny planet. And, um, I like the know. bit where there was a little man on the beach and then you squashed him under the – like the other yep. man squashed him under the yep. feet and it was like perspective, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's a, a, a forced perspective <laughs> Forced perspective. That's the one from – That's the one from Lord of the Rings, by the way. The forced perspective trick, it's really cool. It's like an old-school camera trick. Um, and you've had Lord Elijah Wood in the studio, yep. Yeah, you've got Elijah <laughs> Wood and you've got Ian, Sir Ian McKellen yep. playing Gandalf. So Ian McKellen did. And they appear to be sitting next to each other and Elijah Wood's very small, but in fact uh, they have a very, very long table and Elijah Wood's very far away. And then they just use a really good depth of field so everyone's sharp and looks like they're both sitting next to each other. And then that's really all it comes down to. And then, well, yeah. Ben, don't give everyone your tricks. Gosh, you know, <laughs> give something to yourself. But I, I guess I'm just saying that stuff like that's really fun. And mm. so we did that video. Um, and then uh, – I have a friend of mine, Adam Theobald, who's a uh, music video director who's um, kind of on the up and up a little bit. And he was, this is later of course, and uh, he was doing a clip for a band called Totally, totally Unicorn. Sorry, I'm I really the words enjoyed out. it. <laughs> just stop and wet my whistle. Edit that bit out. <laughs> and um, he, so Totally Unicorn were releasing a new album and they're having a special show. Uh, and the show involved going down to like an abandoned alleyway in Marrickville um, kind of where everything's kind of getting bulldozed for this uh, brilliant new highway that everyone's going to enjoy. And then what they were going to do is have a truck with the band kind of set up on the back, uh, a big generator, and they were going to pull it in and um, play a show and like basically release the album live for everyone there. And they wanted someone to do a clip for the new single for the album. So I was kind of in that crew amongst a few other cameramen. So we shot that, um, but it's so, and we can. It's easy to imagine now, and obviously I don't know when this is going out, but we've had two days of really heavy rain. But it was the weather was very similar to today. Uh, yeah, everyone looked very wet in that yeah, video. <laughs> yeah, and so we're talking just to paint the picture. These guys are wearing tie dye outfits. That um, yeah, it's incredible. There's, there's pink. Uh, there's crepe paper streamers everywhere. There's fairy bread. There's um, you know all sorts of things that can get destroyed by water and they were and so instead like totally unicorns gimmick is they sort of they have like a really kind of camp flamboyant thing going on even though it's really sort of heavy hardcore sound like death metal music. kind of yeah. rah, screaming kind of music yeah, yeah like uh like definitely a mix of like hardcore and and you know with metal vocals and yeah, it, it, fast blast beats juxtaposed yeah. next to grown men in with beards in unicorn outfits and fairy yeah. bread. It's quite, but it's quite, quite exactly. an Australian way, like a way that it's was kind of Australian it, rock. It looked, it didn't look like a spoof. It looked like a, yeah. a it looked like it could all belong. You know, mm. it wasn't. It wasn't just doing the opposite. It was doing something that kind of embodied it all, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, and and because uh, it's uh, it's pissing down, then uh, you've got generators, you've got power cables and things like that. And so everyone was thought not sure whether it was even going to go ahead. And in fact, the, uh, the, the, the final, like, it is actually going to happen, happened like half an hour before this truck pulled up. So it's quite wow. an interesting experience. And like shooting in the rain, uh, I had a plastic bag kind of sellotaped over my camera um, to make sure that it didn't <laughs> shut down from water ingress. Uh, I was constantly 
I had like a cloth in my pocket wiping the lens yeah. to stop it getting blurry. Mm-hmm. Real basic things that yeah. really ruins things. Yeah, so it could have gone really badly. So but yeah, it did. It went okay. <laughs> and, and they were both on Rage, right? So you, yeah. how, how did that feel at the time? Like, what, you know, because I was excited about it. Uh, it. It was one of those things where like it was a quietly checking off something I'd wanted to do for yeah. a while. You know, I obviously wanted to get a clip on everyone who's made a, a video wants to get a clip on Rage, and it was. I'm. I will say that I'd wanted to be on there myself. Yep. And I may. Yeah. No, I definitely have not ever been on there for a band I've been in myself. But finally, I've been on there. But if we can if, check that yeah, off, if we, if that's we, like yeah, I can say that now. And if we make a video together, we'll just send it in and they'll play it at four a.m. Yeah. What? So tell us how you get a video on Rage. Did you just email them and say, "Hi, I've made this music video from this band. Would you like to play it?" I didn't do it myself, but I'm basing this on a program that screened a while back uh, called John Saffron's Music Jamboree. Oh, yeah. And um, he did a whole thing where he, I think what he did was he tied a camera to a dog and and, like basically got drunk and punched numbers into a drum machine for three and a half minutes and then made up a bullshit name for the band and then sent that in to see whether they'd play it and then he just stayed up and eventually at like 5.30am it did play. Really? So it, it somewhat diminishes the achievement from an effort point of view but does not obviously stop it no, being a nice thing to do. So, like, one of the reasons I think it was really interesting is because, like, music and video has always had a relationship. Like, and it's not a new topic to understand what video did for celebrity, I think. So as soon as we got MTV and music videos, suddenly Mm -hmm. musicians needed to look a certain way. Their image carried off. We had celebrity through, you know, the Beatles Plus. And obviously the Beatles have a lot of reasons for celebrity. But there was such a a big spotlight put on music in terms of how it was consumed. And, like, do you remember being influenced through kind of those two creative mediums coming together like oh 100% as a teenage girl growing up it was my like my fashion was dictated by that you know Britney Spears one more time with the midriffs and the 90s fashion and you know growing up in the 90s which is kind of crazy can I just say because there is a lot of 90s fashion going on again right now and if you've noticed yeah those because I I can even sort of say who was the person known for that at the time like the I remember um I think one of the first things that came back was the Parker Lewis. Do you remember that show, Parker Lewis Can't Lose? It was like no. a preppy, a show about a preppy kind of cool kid in, in high school, uh, preppy kid that wasn't the kid from Saved by the Bell. And, um, like Saved by the Bell, and, and Fresh wore, Parents. And he wore like op shop type shirts done up um, to the top button, an air tie, as I believe it's called. Oh, is that what uh, it's called? Yeah, and I started seeing that coming back. I'm like, oh, the Parker Lewis shirts are back. You know, the, you know, everyone going to a short store like in Sydney, we've got that store, Cream. That, um, oh, basically, oh, the rec- they, uh, upcycled. Yeah, rec- they take yeah, ugly prints and kind of like taper them down and <laughs> then sell them back to people. It actually works. I totally buy it. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's um, yeah, so that came back. And then, you know, high-waisted jeans. Big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still waiting for like late 90s, early noughties to come back for my particular brand of high school. But is that is that a bit like big baggy jeans, skate shoes? Yeah, I hope they don't come back. I they were. Was. I had some big shorts. Big, <laughs> big baggy big shorts. shorts. But have you heard this idea that because we're at this point jorts. now where jorts, which is by the way a word. Or spants. 
They're too long to be shorts. They're too short to be pants. Yeah. They're spants. Oh my god, what the fuck is that? Is that I a know, jingle? It's a song my friend and I made up when we were teasing some boys right. about their spants. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, like three quarter pants? Yeah, we were like, they should never come back. Spants. I love those. And by the way, the mark of a baby boomer. If a baby boomer met you wearing those pants, he'd say, oh, good day. Are those short longs or long shorts? Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, well, fair. Because, you know, it is hard to tell. But they were the 70s and 80s era of like short shorts. Maybe even the AFL or yeah, basketball shorts. You know, like we had no these. no illusion whether they were short because their, that, their yeah. pubic hair had already blended into their inner thighs on a lot of occasions. But then remember like it was, you know, short shorts in the AFL and the basketball and then you got into the 90s where it was like. So Michael Jordan was solely Jordan, responsible yeah. for doing all that. Really, yeah. And also for that trend of wearing two sets of shorts. Yes, Snap pants. Have you noticed Adidas snap pants have come yep. back? I wanted to buy a pair. No. <laughs> so there's this idea that all fa- – so because we have access to all generations now, that that cyclical idea of fashion is still exists, obviously, but everything is cool again. It doesn't matter where it's from. You can go out to Newtown, dress like you're 50 – I think I've said this before on the podcast. You can go out to Newtown, dress like a 50s biker, and you, you'll fit straight in. You can yeah. go out to Paddington, dress for anything from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, you'll fit right in. This idea that fashion is so spherical now that because and because we have all this content out there about it, that everything's cool again. And yes, we can spot, you know, like you know, what Gen Z like call norm core and those really specific early nineties fashions. But the idea that we'll never see those cycles again is really, really interesting. Yeah, and it's I totally agree with that. There are some, but it's there's in fact there's no one thing that everyone follows anymore. Exactly. Not, there's there's kind of room for everything now. Sorry, that's a better way to put it. Before there was one there's way a to group do things, or there was two things, and you had a you had a conflict. So in the fifties, you're a biker, mm. a jock. In the sixties yeah. and seventies, you're a surfer or a biker, especially here. But you will never have just this is the way to dress, and this is not the way to dress anymore. Or do you think we're just in another cycle? See, that's that's the thing they think has stopped this this time around. Well, who knows? Maybe we're just in, you know, you might have thought that about the early 2000s. You would have been like, oh, that's, you know, everything goes now. But actually that had a really distinct look as well. And I think if we look at mass fashion now, I think that we'll find even in 10, 20 years, we'll be able to identify what was the, you know, 2010 to 2020 era. I think we'll still be able to identify it. I think there'll still be definitely something there. There'll definitely be something that this led but I think what we won't see is that this was the fashion. Like you say 1920s, everyone knows what to wear. You say 2010, nobody knows what to wear. And yeah, sure enough, we're still in it. But we weren't there. Maybe not every single person was wearing flapper dresses and, mm. you know, thin eyebrows. It was like well, that was just what the icons of the 1920s were, just like what will be the icons exactly, of yeah, right? this. Yeah. So, so I don't know. But the, the, the idea goes that because of the internet, we have access to all that, so that's why that doesn't exist. But mm. you're right, we won't know for 10 years. Yeah, we won't know until we're looking back on it. But I, I love that. I know what it would be today. Like, I, I can picture things that I can think of that what are, do you are think? the worst. Well, the stuff that, and I'm picturing it from because I don't like it. But like <laughs> the, those Balenciaga ugly sneakers are definitely <laughs> are the big sneakers? a 2019 thing. Those big feeler sneakers? Yeah, the feeler ones as well. The ones that look like you've got like um, pustular ulcers on your feet. Oh but aren't they a throwback from 90s? I, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't know. Um, that's, no, I think. I, yeah, maybe yeah. Not. What about slips? Have they they're a throwback from like um, I think Landers wearing those um, predators on the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about it. I think duck, 
duck lips, maybe. You know, like Pammy <laughs> Anderson with a fake boobs. That yeah. was like a 90s thing. But yeah. I think the lips. Yeah. Well, sausage lips and uh, and barge asses being one of the mm. defining trends of our time. You know. what, what? Big asses. Big so asses. big asses, is Kar- it's a Kardashian thing. It's yeah. cool to have a big booty. An injected butt. Yeah. yeah but is the difference fast. between like that firmness? No, even yeah. just, it like, just everything else. No, everything's Some people bigger. do have it. But some people inject it. But there is a place for everybody. And I think coming back to music videos, like even Beyonce and the evolution of her from Destiny's Child to where she's at now with her, you know, like formation. Or I don't know if you've watched, um, I think it's on Netflix, her... Um, oh, The Lemon. No, what is it? Uh, yeah, the, the live concert. Oh, yeah, the live concert yeah. and the lead up to that and, and just, you know, embracing a lot more of her African-American background and heritage and having, a you know, an all-black cast who performed in that versus... Destiny's Child, whereas I, where I remember reading several articles where she came under criticism because people were like, she's trying to make herself seem more white. But I feel like and she's sort hits. of come more into her own and yeah, you know, more identity more now. Yeah. I and think it's she, become less about the physical and more about the uh, philosophical is the wrong word, but she's gone from what I look like to yeah. how I identify. Exactly. And when you look at when she was performing at Coachella, and the crew that she's got there, it's all shapes and sizes. You yeah. know, there are some, re- yeah, there's some really, really big um, dancers in in the crew. Whereas I feel like we wouldn't have seen that on stage, let alone in a film. Yeah, in, with the Britney Christina Aguilera era. Like, I just don't feel like mm. we would have seen that in the nineties growing up. In fact, uh, Christina Aguilera is a good point. She exemplifies all different ends of that of that scale of body image, you know. Yeah, she's been she's, she's been, been going through it all. She's been tiny and she's been like relatively large by uh, five foot three white girl standards. Yeah, by media standards. So let, let's 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 use that as a segue. Like, let's go back to music videos because they do have such a big impact on us as teenagers, and I still believe they have a big impact on you as you get an adult. You just stop yeah. liking what you like then. And I think the funniest thing for me is to go back and think about the film clips. I loved as a teenager or even younger than that. Yeah, tell us, tell us what, what uh, like ones that sprung to your mind. So my first film clip memory was The Prodigy, Smack My Bitch Up. Oh. Now I was, that was my, one of my first albums and I was probably a little Fat bit. Land classic. Fat of the Land. 1993, 1994. Or. 95. Maybe even five. You're looking it up, Alex? No. Do a quick Google while I'm talking to this. And at the time, I didn't understand that film clip. I just kind of remembered it and it stayed with me. And that was kind of my – and I'm into – It was an intense film clip. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's like drugs Dystopian and and, kind yeah, of, like, yeah. And like, yeah, it's just someone getting high for the whole thing. It's fair. Like, <laughs> also, first person, which was yeah, something f- that you hadn't really seen a lot. Exactly. Like you, you were in the shoes of – you were doing the things that happened in yeah, that video. Yeah, it was immersive, Like a video right? game. Um, yeah, which – that was pretty new. You and know? so that one, that one really stuck with me. And then the second one I remember was um, No Doubts Don't Speak. That was mm. the one that for me I would watch it religiously on repeat um, for no other reason that I'm sure I had a huge crush on Gwen Stefani, but I just <laughs> oh, love yeah. that idea. Who has never one. aged, by the way? Has anyone seen Gwen Stefani? She I think amazing. she's a robot. She has not aged. Uh, I, I'm Yes, she hasn't, but I'm always like, I'd love to see her sans makeup, and I think we get the Brian Warner, Marilyn Manson thing happen when you're like, oh, that, that's why you wear makeup. Um, <laughs> In my opinion, I've aged with her, and it's fine. <laughs> we're both fine. So th- those were the two that I can remember, and I'm still, you know, I can talk about them as being quite proud. And then I suddenly remember, okay, what did, what did preteen, like 11, 12, 13-year-old Jai like? And it was um, 
my first Metallica film clips. So I'm oh, like talking, one was a great one. No, so I'm because I'm younger, a little bit younger than you. So I'm um, load the Unforgiven two. Oh, yeah. So okay. I'm going to reload, right? So I'm going to right up until. So and it's a clip that if you've seen it, you'll know what it is. But it was so quite dark and very emo. It didn't. That still doesn't make any sense, really. If you look at it, it's not a great film clip. But the other ones were like by Corn. There was Freak on the Leash when the first time they did Bullet Time, which oh, was the yeah, bullet falling through. Cool. I still think it's a great film clip. But again, there are elements in it that you know are different. And the other one that you know, when I was kind of thinking about this, with it that really stuck with me was actually with Silver Chair with Freak. Mm, that which, was a good one. Going back even further, it's kind of like a rip off of. Uh, thriller, into a degree, of thriller by Michael Jackson, uh, in the sense of it was really about transformation and you know the special yeah, effects. Yeah, no, I remember it, goes yeah. into it. And like those ones, I can't shake out of my head at all. Compared to what I like now, where I'm like, I like watching these mini movies that are really kind of not too arty to the point where I don't know what's going on, but just really showcase the band, who they are, and it, it's almost like me in the sense of just kind of be yourself, and you know everything else is okay and. There's a part of me that misses being so engrossed in a clip anymore and I feel like I'm struggling to go back to those moments again. But going back to those original film clips, I've still got them all on an old hard drive I found out because I used to watch them on repeat over and over again. And there are photos of me and I will show you them that are just straight out of those film clips. Like what I was wearing, (laughs) the way my hair was styled, the length of my hair at the different times and like – all the brands I was wearing was just straight out of it. And I'm really curious to know, does that exist anymore? Because all the kind of more pop stuff I see now with like Post Malone, um, uh, Ariana Grande, I'm like, I don't, and maybe it's just me because I'm old now, I'm like, I don't really see how I could ever emulate that again. Not because I couldn't She's go out and a lot of clothes. facial tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> but because I don't know how to connect with them as much. And like the kind of metal bands I like right now, which are like Bring Me the Horizon and Amity Affliction and are such straightforward film clips about the band and what they're doing, just playing an interesting atmosphere that that's it and you get out again. But Yeah, metal definitely favours the performance video mm. over other, you know, and when they do do a narrative, it's, um, it's always a super dark one. Yeah. That <laughs> might straight towards the arty side of things. Definitely. Yeah. What about you, Alex? What are your... Yeah, I jotted them down before I came down and I, look, I've, the first thing that sprung to mind when we thought about old school film clips was do you remember you two all i want is you yes. all i want is us or all i want is you yeah. you know yeah. all i want is you and right. it's that film clip where it's set in the circus and there's an accident and there's like a um, uh, there's a midget in the, in the circus and i think he dies and i just remember watching that as a kid and it would have been primary school and my dad so before I used to get up and dance, my dad used to do his exercises in the lounge room. So he'd get up and do his sit-ups and he'd do his push-ups and he would exercise to rage in the morning. And I remember coming in. Just, did he have a moustache? He Can, did. He had are, a we, are we talking a typical <laughs> AFL beer dad from uh, like the early 80s? Yeah, Short yeah. shorts. Yeah. Curly hair? No, you yeah, got straight had, hair. So He had like, yeah, long wavy hair, beard, oh, moustache. Wow, he was like a mad 70s hippie. And he listens to this. Hi, dad. He's bald right now. Hey. He's bald now, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Sorry, still has like a lot of facial hair though. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it all like went it. to his dude. Yeah. Hi, Alex's dad. <laughs> but he, um, <laughs> yeah, and so I would dance and he would do his exercises and he would tape them on VHS so that he could watch them again later. But I just remember that one really emotional storyline and just staying yeah. with me for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and then like completely off on a, a different note was Spice Girls Wannabe. It was all shot in one take. 
Is that is that it true? Was. Yeah. yeah. Really? Shot in one take. They follow the girls around into different rooms, and that was quite new at the time because you didn't have everything done in one take. Mm. The whole song. It was a good clip. Yeah. It was a good clip. Like obviously, I learned to. <laughs> You know, really be annoyed by the Spice Girls, but no, everyone watched that clip all the way through because you know, like I love long takes, by the way, in almost everything, um, and you know, especially if it rolls for like ten minutes or you know, five, yeah. ten minutes. But yeah, a lot had to go on to make that, and they, I'm sure they're hidden some cuts. And if you watched, yeah. went through it again, that you could find out where it was, uh, where they were hidden. But it really, like, it keeps the tension going. It keeps from your the breath, viewer's perspective. Cuts you- give you a breath, and there is no cuts, so you have to watch and see what are they doing because they're jumping on buses, they're crashing parties that are full of casts, yeah, and they're running down the street and they're annoying people, and they're like, okay, yeah, that it was a, it was a good clip. I need to look up who directed that. Actually, it was it was clever, and at the time, you know, they were all about high energy, and it was nothing but high energy yeah, that whole clip. So you got to the end of it, and you were almost out of breath. You're right, because you didn't have a chance to catch your breath. It was just like, wow, right. oh, my God, that was amazing. Exactly. Um, the other one, oh, obviously growing up, I remember being at the Babysitters and um, MJ's Black or White. And I just oh, man, yeah. remember being, you know, that all the different people's faces and how they morphed into another one. And Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, I loved Michael Jackson as a little <laughs> kid. Um, obviously stopped when I, you know. Um, Watched my, my son is, by the way. My son is such a big fan, but apparently, as long as you only listen to um, pre-thriller or well, stuff up to thriller, then you know all of the bad stuff he did happened after oh, that. Then so it's you okay. know, like he was, he was, he wasn't a, that person then. So oh, it makes it okay. I, feel, I don't even want to get into but that. Yeah, but yeah, in fact, yeah, you could almost cut that bit out because it's kind of gross uh, and and ruins it. But okay, I, I, there's a separate subject about whether you uh, separate the artist from the art. Um, I'm yes. personally a fan of that. Like, I, I'm not going to tell Charlie that. He can't listen to him. Yeah, Michael that was Jackson a big question. So, yeah, can you separate the artist from the art? So, you believe that you can? Yeah, you have to. Um, particularly, the best example is John Lennon, uh, who was a wife beater mm. um, of his first wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and by all accounts, quite a shit person. Uh, am I going to stop listening to the Beatles? No. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we say, oh, because there's a bit of distance behind that and it was more acceptable at the time, whereas Michael Jackson did what he did more recently mm. if he did it but uh you know i think that at the end of the day you have to separate from and yeah you can have your own line but you you can listen to it and enjoy that without supporting it. maybe just don't pay any more money yeah maybe it's a money <laughs> thing i don't know i yeah i think it's really Thoughts hard die? like in terms we've, of we've sidetracked <laughs> so put it this way if you don't mind your artist doing drugs and there are lots of people who you know, I know from just first-hand experience there are a lot of uh, people who belong to incredibly orthodox churches who, if they know the artist does drugs, they won't go near them. Okay. There's <laughs> Their record collections must be slim. Oh, mate, there's, there's plenty of music and money in the, the, uh, the oh, churches and, and, around and the world. Uh, old Pentecostals. Yeah, there's, there's whole band, church bands, there's, yeah. All, yeah, there's, there's channels. There's so... That's the first line. So if you said, I'm not going to associate with anyone who does anything illegal or, for a church's case, is immoral, uh-huh. you've, that's your first line. For, for, for us, right, I don't mind. It has nothing to do with me. It's to themselves so I can make all these ethical and moral leaps to say that's fine. I think it becomes really hard when you, you start to – some of those lines get a lot harder. So for Michael Jackson – no one stopped playing him because he is 
this um, historic kind of char- character or celebrity we've seen through the ages. R. Kelly, on the other hand, mm. has been banned from a lot of clubs I've been in. Mm. If you're a DJ, you can't play R. Kelly. Mm. Or yeah, it's easier for me because I can't stand R. Kelly. But <laughs> if he, I think in time, people will start separating it again. And and by the, I remember actually I was I went to a few years ago um, to a music festival called uh, Bonnaroo in uh, Tennessee, in uh, Manchester cool. Manchester Tennessee, and R. Kelly was one of the headline acts. I didn't go see him because I hate R. Kelly, and I knew about those allegations then and always hated him. Um, I'm, yeah, obviously conflicting my earlier statements about huh. Michael Jackson, but I never liked his music either. Um, but when uh, all the people that we were camping with ran to go because they were like, I got to hear Ignition. And, um, and when it came on, I, I, he, he sung that and obviously I believe I can fly and then he released birds into the audience and mm. everyone, like thousands and thousands of paper birds flying around. And, and yeah, he's 100% a sex cult guy. Because we're talking about black or actually to round it back to black or white. Because we we're talking about how what an amazing clip that was, and obviously it was the first clip where, aside from uh, Terminator Two, James Cameron directed, we'd seen morphing, and there was a um, you know there's obviously a whole sequence at the end where a bunch of different people who could look completely different morph into each other. That's right. The first I remember morphing effect. being a kid watching that and going, "Holy fucking shit! How on earth is that done?" And then. Yeah, it was one of the like great re- special effects, and yeah. Anyway, so it's a great it's a great video. It had uh, Macaulay Culkin, um, and it had a narrative, mm. and then it went like many Michael Jackson narrative videos went completely off the rails, and he went to the Africa, and oh, that's um, and then he's in New York with a Thai dancer, I think, and then yeah, it's completely weird and twisted, which is you know. I, I kind of like that it makes not a, a lot of sense because, I mean, Michael Jackson made heaps of narrative videos and a lot of the narratives don't really make much sense. Like, why is he watching himself in Thriller in the <laughs> being a wolf in his own movie? Yeah. Oh, but Thriller, what an incredible film clip. Amazing. Have you guys YouTubed? It's a, I think it's a jail yes, in Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> and the jail master is obsessed with Michael Jackson and he made all, all of uh, the inmates practice Michael Jackson thriller every day so to the point good. where they were perfect at it. I yeah. actually, Definitely YouTubers worth I was watching. forced to learn that thriller dance. Well, not forced, but uh, uh, Jai will know one of our clients is a cruise ship operator. Yeah. And one of the things they do on 80s night is they get everyone up on the deck and we're talking like 500 people. Uh, and the one guy there sits them and walks them through the whole <gasps> thriller dance. And you think like, oh, yeah, it's like 10 moves. It'd be like doing the Macarena. It's not. It's like, yeah. there's like 30 moves. So and can yes, you now took, do the Thriller dance? Oh, hell no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was like, come on, show but us. But that night. But <laughs> that, <laughs> that night, after I a few drinks, I could. Apparently. So that's it. Like, So YouTube has kind of created like these new music videos for us. Do you, like from individuals doing it themselves, like back in the early 2000s, it was people recutting old anime to certainly a lot of metal video clips, but kind of creating mm. their own music videos. Yeah. Do we think that's going to have it? Do we think that's ever going to replace normal music videos? Like I see so many of them, you know, fitness first where music videos are everything. They've obviously got to be cultural impact, but the amount of people creating, covering and, you know, creating their own music videos, like does that, does that impact us or, mm. or it's just more content because we need more content? I think it's the latter. Yeah. Uh, one example at the gym I go to um, is, so there's this, Again, going aside, there's a YouTuber called Sam Kohler, and I would say that he's uh, he's a travel YouTuber and a great editor, videographer type, but um, he's kind of like the best at 
like creating the like he takes the sort of new uh, electronic music, you know, you know that uplifting techno type stuff that you know has a has like a vocal chop as the chorus mm-hmm. and um, a, a breakdown uh, always in the in the um, in the middle of it. Um, he he takes that music and he cuts like drone shots over beautiful islands yeah, yeah, yeah. and him with his abs and his girlfriend mm. uh, diving <laughs> off cliffs and that's basically what he does for a job. Wow. But now I see, I go to the gym and, and there's literally that sort of stuff cut to mu- music videos instead of actual music videos. Yeah. And I can only say that the only answer for that must be that like, well, that's, that works as a music video. Yeah. I have a demand for content. I need something to go with this music that suits it. Let's just put them together. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it may, maybe it's the death of some types of music videos. Exactly. And that's no one's got any money anymore. Yeah. Thinking about. I wanted to get your opinion on, I mean, sex sells, right? Like we've known that that's no, no difference, but three music videos that I thought would be interesting to compare is, do you remember Robert Palmer's Simply Irresistible? Yes, I do. And the girl, I remember thinking, gosh, that's scandalous, those girls in their tiny little dresses. And it was sexy. It was very sexual. Yeah. And then moving forward, we had um, Eric Pritz, uh, Call On Me. Call On Me. Eric Pritz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the girls, the girls gyrating in the, in the, in the gym. Yeah. The, oh, sorry. My, what's the one I'm thinking of with the big... Drills. No. Oh, uh, I think it was they were at the gym and it was that's like, okay. Get, me and they uh, just touch me. Yeah. And, get and this one was like, call on me, call on me. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's the jazzercise. Mm. Like jazzercise, the leotards, the G-strings, the thrusting, the gyrating. Then you move forward and you've got, um, what's her name, Wrecking Ball. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Miley Cyrus, nude on a Wrecking Ball. And all of a sudden, Robert Palmer looks so PG, yep. his film clip. Yeah, but Miley Cyrus owns her own sexuality, whereas Robert Palmer uses uh, other uses people's, other people's yeah. yes. And then Robert also- Palmer was like a very short kind of guy and had to stand on a box for that video clip. So Really? You know, I think his, his inherent boringness necessitated scandally clip. <laughs> Heavily <laughs> made up band. Well, then, in that sense, <laughs> I, I guess a modern day Robert Palmer would have been um, who's the one who uh, Emily Rakowski became really famous for. Oh, she yeah. Was nude Robert Thicke. Yeah. Robert Thicke. Yeah, there you go. Two Roberts. Everyone thought that video was a bit crass. <laughs> Everyone did. Like, even the people who were like, oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's was a, that the modern are, day Robert Palmer well, simply they, irresistible I, film clip? It was so. People. Yeah, totally. And I think it was, right? There was even. Silver balloons that said Robin Thicke has a big dicky. Oh my god, the Robin like Thicke video, yeah. And then yeah. and then Lily Allen responded in her video, and it said uh, in the same balloons in the same setup, Lily Allen has a baggy pussy. Oh, oh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> she's think, awesome. I actually yeah, like her. She's live. Fucking, she's her good. her response to that was uh, appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I totally think it was, and it, it ruined him because he. No one gave a shit about him after that because they were like, okay, the, the song was good. Like, if you didn't see the video and you just heard it's it, it's a great like, song. It's got, the, it's got the, and also, uh, he lost that lawsuit um, to the Marvin Gaye estate. Ah. Even though the song is completely different, it just has that vibe. It has, there's like, what? So if you, if you, you have to, I don't know if you can play it without. Yeah, like, we, can, we can cut stuff in. Yeah, but. Um, I'll cut it in. So here. what you'll hear is like, Everybody the sounds of work. a party. Woo! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do. And then a cowbell, tung 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 tung. Yeah. And then uh, those, only those elements are consistent between two songs. The melodies are completely really? different. But because that vibe 
that vibe was enough for the jury to say, hey, Robin Thicke, Pharrell Williams, give your money to Mark. Wow. Really? I'm pretty sure he lost that. And as a musician, it's fucking bullshit because yeah. uh, honestly, it's a, you, can't, uh, you can copy a vibe. I think it's okay to copy a vibe. What about Lana Del Rey and Creep? The oh, okay. latest song and... I'm so glad you asked about it. Yeah. This. So Lana Del Rey, so that chord sequence in, uh, in Lana Del Rey's song, which I can't remember the name of, is obviously the same as Creep. It's, yeah. it's, a, uh, it's a G and A minor, uh, uh, sorry, a G, a D minor, an A and, a, and an E. And I, so Radiohead did that and they sued, um, Radiohead sued Lana Del Rey, but the Hollies who wrote that song before Radiohead also sued Radiohead. Really? Really. So what I'm... I don't know the backstory, but what I'm pretty sure happened was that because the Hollies lawyers, because the Hollies are probably like 70 years old and all their songs are owned by lawyers, <laughs> probably through Radiohead's, through their ownership of Radiohead's creep royalties sued Lana Del Rey. I think that's what oh. happened. Because n- none of those, Radiohead. Because Radiohead would make royalties on creep, right? But yeah. they'd have to pay some royalties to the Hollies. Yeah. Who I'd never heard of before until you just mentioned them. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, I might have totally got those chords wrong, but yeah, if if you play them all back to back, they're the same. It's the same chord. Yeah, sequence. I think the key is slightly different. I remember the well, first time I heard that song, I was like, "Whoa, this is this is great." Well, I went to do a cover at home of Dice, which is a song by I can't remember anymore, but it's a new chill pop song. It's note for note, even the the counter melo- uh, the counter melodies are the same as the Offspring's "Gone Away." Oh. Like I mean. Mm. Exactly the same, and I stopped covering because I thought it was going to be a boring cover. Yeah, I think the sequence called. Uh, I, I can't. I'm not musically trained, and I can't remember what it's called. But uh, a great Australian band called The Axis of Awesome have a, uh, a song. It's. I can't even remember what it's called. It's uh, but basically they point out all of the songs that have the same three chord sequence. I think it's one four five. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong, but uh, going back to U two, it's um, so. Say, take uh, Walking Away by Craig David and One by U2 uh, and Green Day's um, uh, When I Come Around. All of them are the same. It's, it moves up and down the fretboard on the guitar, but it's the same intervals. But that's, so. is, that's when it's chords and not vibe, right? And that's the thing they're criticizing, yeah. which I didn't think about until you just said that example because I'm like, well, no, like vibe should be okay, but no, vibe should be... Or that that melody so that sorry that chord sequence is so simple you can do all sorts of different melodies. But the thing is that the the holidays Radiohead one is a bit different because the even the um, the intervals between the melody and the vibe well, there is a lot of things similar and you can mm. clearly hear an influence uh, and you can play them over the top of each other. Or what well, there's a guy called Rick Beato on YouTube if you're a music nerd. Um, have a listen to his breakdowns of stuff, but he um, he blends the songs together and just changes the lines. Yes, I saw oh. that. And you hear it, and you hear it, you won't be able to tell when one song starts and the other ends. Wow, uh, what's think, his name? Rick Beato. Rick Beato, yeah. that's so cool. I wonder who determines these things. Like, what's your job? I'm a music copyright judge. Yeah, I I almost guarantee it's non-musical people that have to <laughs> determine this, and maybe that's a good thing because, like, you know, you have to present your case and it has to be understandable to a legal, uh, mm. legally smart layman uh, in the music term. But, but also that is probably why it sometimes gets ridiculous. Like uh, the, uh, one of the famous losses was um, uh, 
So Richard Ashcroft of his band The Verve, they had that song Bittersweet Symphony. Oh yes. And uh the hook is that dun 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 and it's like that string hook is one section of the start of a Rolling Stones string cover, not even the actual track of the album. But because of that he lost like that was his biggest song and he lost he lost everything. He didn't make a cent. And probably lost even more trying to defend it. But um, and then because it's his biggest song, he had to play it for years and years, oh. and and take that money and give it straight to, to uh, it's like a bunch of Texas lawyers. Wow! <laughs> Why don't you just um, tell us about your favorite film clips growing up? All right, so uh, I, I'm not actually I wouldn't have been able to recall the sort of information off the top of my head had you asked me straight ahead. But mm-hmm. fortunately, Jai asked me ahead of time. It's fun I going learned, back. I learned that trick just. <laughs> It sounds really basic, but every time you say favourites, I'm like, oh, I need to ask them before. So when I start reeling off the director of the video, it's not because I remember, it's because I've written it on the phone in front of me. I'm just saying that for anyone who's listening. Um, so the the ones that I came – so there's a few different things that I think make a clip that's really awesome, and actually you guys already kind of covered a couple of them. One is the narrative. Uh having a great narrative so you're really sucked in from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, and, and then I was, th- so I was thinking, okay, narrative clips that I really loved. And the one that came, that stuck out to me, it's a Japanese band called, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, it's called Chibo Mato. And so they did have this clip called Sugar Water. And um, it, I'm going to have to just describe it. Uh, the, so you see that there's a, it's a duo, a Japanese duo, and there's two girls and they're standing next to each other. And one of them is uh, putting on her makeup they're both putting on their makeup in two different bathrooms and you see you're looking right at their faces. They get ready and they go through their day and they kind of wind around a city and um, they kind of go through their lives and encounter parties and all sorts of crazy things. And then right in the dead middle of the video, they meet each other and cross over into the other path and then you realise that one of them was moving backwards, not taking off her makeup but putting it on. Um, Sorry, one of them was... Taking, taking off her makeup, off. not putting it on. It, it just was reversed. And so, and then they reverse over to the other side and then perfectly end up. Really? And then you watch it, uh, the first person in forwards and the other one backwards at the start. And then I was like, well, that is, that is crazy. How, how did you even set that up? And then it, that's uh, Michel Gondry, who uh, is a, you know, now a famous French director. Um, he kind of used that concept. He built on that concept and made the Kylie Minogue video come into my world ah. that you might remember where she's rotating around a street and she rotates around it five times. Each time she rotates, she appears again. Yeah. And then yeah, like, literally yeah, yeah. swings under <coughs> her own hand. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, like, he moved with the technology and built on that concept until it was amazing. And like, there was a narrative with the, you know, the, the kind of the start and the end of the day and it was kind of plaintive, whereas the Kylie Minogue one was, you know... Uh, yeah, that was that a great London clip. feel, and mm. yeah, so that was a that was a great one. Um, I don't think anyone would argue that um, that Michelle Gondry is not a good music video director. He's probably one of the best. Um, uh, okay, and then there's uh, so I, I mentioned before that I really love music videos that have like tricks, like camera yeah. mm-hmm. tricks, and one that really sticks out, and it's, it's fortunately it's the only recent one I think I'm going to mention. It's uh, "Humble" by Kendrick Lamar. Uh, it's a director called. Um, he looks down. <laughs> Dave Myers. So uh, Dave Myers, so, so that video is like in the video we talked about before, that's who I was trying to copy, like just have a trick in every shot. So humble music video, if you can, uh, like there's many, many shots and some of the are beautifully set up with large 
uh, elaborate lighting setups. There's a beautiful uh, giant kind of almost church-like scene with a light shining through, but then there's a 360 shot where he's riding a BMX. There's uh, like drone shots when he's playing golf on top of a car. There's a, a great stereoscopic effect where he's set up four cameras and he's like at a kind of regal table and the camera flips between them and everything kind of shakes, but he stays in one place. Mm. Um, you know, it, it all serves around the kind of, uh, you know, humble is sort of like a somewhat typical, like I'm the best, you're the worst mm. type rapper <laughs> kind of narrative. But, you know, the build on that is like, you know, also talking to himself, stay humble and that sort yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and, and so it's flashy but low-key at the same time. Yeah. There's also this great one where um, you've got all these guys' heads uh, and they're looking down and they look up at different times. It's kind of really unnerving. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there's a bit where everyone's on fire. And, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of cool things in that video clip okay. and you can just watch it. Yeah, we'll put just, a link to it at the bottom. Yeah, um, I love that one. So... And what the, about from, like, the ones you remember from your childhood in terms of the ones you were growing okay. up to? So the one that the first one that came to mind was Aphex Twin Window Licker. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, if you've not seen it, like, pause and go. <laughs> go. Like, yeah. it's, it's like 10 minutes, 12 minutes long, I think. Yeah, but, um, really and it long. starts with a really long, uh, like, a really kind of doofusy dude, like, pretending he's a gangster and then getting hit by a, a limousine that's... Um, it's like a hundred meters long. And then a guy with the face of Richard D James jumps out. And then this incredibly like, I, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's just got a general creep vibe. Like uh, Richard D James has that kind of like this famous face where he has this toothy grin and uh, it's a bit psychedelic. It's, for that. Yeah. It's like, it's taking a hip hop video, putting horrific faces on them and then doing hip hop video to this completely monged like mm. techno, which does, doesn't follow any sort of structure. I remember watching it as a, a young man and thinking, <laughs> wow, I'm like, I'm like having nightmares about this. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I guess I liked stuff that gave me nightmares. And then uh, the other thing that I really liked as a kid was um, anything where, and cause I was a musician and you probably relate to this. I liked music videos where the band played. Yeah. And part of it was like, if I really liked a band, I wanted to see the guitarist's hands and see what they're doing. And, and like, videos that made me want to pick up a guitar and play and a, a few of them from the time in the 90s which is kind of showing my age a bit were stuff like um people of the sun by rage against yeah Mission. that was a great one like uh if, if you don't know that track he literally plays the guitar track by getting an allen key and scratching like oh. he has a harmonic on the thing and he scratches a pinch harmonic mm. on the string with an allen key i'm like well I, when i first heard it i was like how did he do that and then i saw the video i'm like oh yeah, it gives you insight. It, it, like at the Tom Morello is great I, for, you know, you, yeah. I always wanted to watch him and see how the hell he did the things he like, did. I think at a first level, seeing the band play gives you like insight into personality, but then I think that next level is gives you insight into if you ever wanted to pick it up. Yeah. And then the other one, uh, another one I can think of is um, a band called White Zombie, uh, yeah. <laughs> a song called Thunderkiss 65. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were like, the psych- like, they still look cool now. They were like the most colourful psychedelic looking band, psychedelic horror. heavy yeah and like he kept like rob zombie kept that aesthetic he's mm. kept it to today i yeah. saw him at soundwave a few years ago it still yeah. does it um uh, oh, the best one the best one i could think of when i thought about it was um so there's a band called a perfect circle and they have a Amazing. song called judith and mm. um i remember watching it for the first time and really simple things like there's a bass player her name's uh, pez le chantin great name mm. and she's um there's a break in the middle of the and she stops playing the bass and her hair's down and she 
grabs a hair tie and she yeah. pulls her hair up into a top knot and then she starts playing right on the beat. And I remember it's thinking, such a perfect show, holy fuck, that's so awesome. And then I was like, who directed this? And it was David Fincher. Oh, really? <laughs> really? So, yeah, he, uh, he, he'd kind of like lowered himself from Fight Club to direct a music video from time to time. And but that is a really understated <laughs> great film clip, isn't it? Yeah, it is, like, it's literally just the band yeah. playing in a, ro- in a warehouse. Yeah. And yet it's, it's a lot of movement, one of the best, most memorable videos you've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, and, and it, honestly, like I watched that and I'm just like, picking up a guitar I'm just gonna play until you know until I fall asleep like it's it's yeah I love that sort of stuff amazing um I feel like we need some links at the uh, yeah the I'm gonna have it. I'll yeah. try and link out as much of this as I can <laughs> and then uh oh yeah like a modern one and one of the ways that that kind of has kind of modernized today and one of the so actually tying it back to that totally unicorn clip is um and I'm gonna get film nerdy here and stop me if it's too bad but so most video or most film is shot on something called a 180 shutter angle, which is basically gives things a bit of a motion blur. Uh, it makes things not appear too jumpy or static or, or sharp. And, and we shoot it at 25 or 24 frames per second, which gives everything. It's just enough to give your brain the suggestion of motion without having, but it doesn't look there. like a home video. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? That's yeah, that's right. So that's when you see some things and you're like, this looks like a handy cam versus this that's looks right. like... That's right. So yeah. home video type stuff is normally like 30 frames per second. And those extra frames give... It's a bit too smooth and you think... our bra- It's not that it's less cinematic. It's just that we're driven to associate them with things like neighbours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so when people approach a music video, if they're trained from film school, they kind of go, well, I'm going to shoot it at 180 shutter, 25 frames per second. But the truth is, when you, especially when you're shooting a metal band... That's actually maybe not the best way to do it. And that, uh, so we shot the Totally Unicorn clip at, uh, I think, at a 90 degree shutter. So that's one frame for every, one exposure for every frame. Mm. Um, and it, it, it makes it juddery makes it and feel, shuddery. Yeah. But it, it gives, gives you it weight. real. Gives it, it weight and you, motion. You, there's no, every frame is sharp and it, it makes it feel really visceral. So yeah. when you see sweat, it's not blurry. It's little drops. I noticed how sharp that video was. Yeah. It was like you'd you know up the sharpness on your uh, yeah. an app or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, so, so it's not. It wasn't that. It was literally you just shoot at a. Uh, if you're shooting at 25 frames per second, you shoot one twenty fifth of a second, and then uh, I'm completely got that backwards. Actually, you crank the shutter, so you've got many exposures per second. So that's actually even more jumpy. Oh, there was actually a 360 shutter. Again, that's probably a bit too so much nerdy. into camera <laughs> for this sort of thing. Right. But that jumpiness and that cranked shutter like looks great when there's a metal band moving really quickly yeah. and there's sweat flying and it's, and the, you know there's um, and then if you're also doing slow mo you have to do the same sort of thing you, like when you've got the beer pouring over your face and uh, <laughs> and slow mo you don't want the beer to be blurry you want it to be sharp and see every drop as it yeah, yeah, yeah. and have it be hyper real and I think it really draws people in yeah. so um, I don't know how I got to that point but. Uh, it's most excited I've been this whole time. It is. I know you're clearly <laughs> passionate about this. Um, do you have a platform where people can nerd out with you, or are you on Instagram? Or yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Instagram and YouTube as General Ben. General um, Ben. Yeah. Um, come come be the uh, the fifth subscriber uh, to those platforms. Um, I'd most appreciate it. Or stay up until four a.m. and yeah. watch Rage. <laughs> ben, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today. I, like I feel like we could just talk about old school. Um, film clips all night but 
Yeah, that was that was a really fun episode. I hope you enjoyed taking a little trip down memory lane. And if you uh, if you've got any of your favourite film clips, why don't you share them with us? You can hit up Jai, he's Double Star Co, and I'm Ms Darlinghurst. That's M S Darlinghurst. And uh, yeah, that's it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, ben. Bye. Thank you.